hello, and welcome to another episode of I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate, the Sex in the City review podcast by two series first-timers. I'm your host, Kristen, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Megan. Hello. Today, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 12, La Douleur Esquisse. And if you are a French speaker and I butchered that, my apologies, but (laughs) we're probably going to say the name a few more times and I'm going to butcher it. So before we get started, I just want to give our standard warning that there will be a lot of spoilers for this episode and also for the Carrie and Big storyline. So if you're not caught up on the episodes and you want to watch it, we recommend that you go watch it and then come back here and listen to the discussion because it's a pretty good one and you're going to want to chat with us. But first, let's check in. Megan, how are you? How was your week? What were your highs and lows? And do you want to give us what character you are channeling? Sure. It was a pretty good week. In terms of highs, I got to hang out with a couple of different friends this week. So that was a lot of fun. And then it's also just been a pretty productive weekend. It's been gray and gloomy here. So I've been able to just get a lot of stuff done. Nice. And then in terms of lows... I think I've just been trying to push through some personal projects recently and things are just not moving super quickly on that front. And I am famously impatient. So I'm trying to be patient and not rush the process, but I guess a little frustrated by that. And then Niles, my cat has not been really feeling very well. So that's always really sad to see. You think he's sick? He just has some autoimmune stuff, and I feel like he might be having a flare-up right now. Poor guy. So I'm going to keep giving him his immune system supplements and give it a couple days, but we may need to take him to the vet for another steroid shot. Poor guy. I know. It's very sad. Hopefully he'll feel better. Yeah. Usually when this happens, it's like a week or so, and then he's back to normal. So we'll see. In terms of character of the week, I would say I'm channeling Samantha. I've been feeling pretty good and generally positive this week, even though I've been impatient. What about you, Kristen? How was your week and what were your highs and lows and who were you channeling? It was a mixed bag this week. It was really, really nice the end of this week. So I ate outside and just hung out a lot. Yesterday, Mitch and I had Brooklyn day and we walked around and we found a new really cool restaurant. So that was all really fun and good. Lowe's, we had a haunting in our apartment. Wednesday night, there were flies on the ceiling of our living room, like a lot of flies. And then Thursday, I got home from work and I lost count at 25 flies. There were so many. It was insane. And Mitch is like, well, it's just hot. There's just going to be flies. And we had a fight. It was no, it's like a disgustingly insane infestation of flies. There's still a handful of flies, more flies than you'd want in your apartment, but it doesn't seem like there's more flies. It's just the ones we have, we have to kill. So I don't know what happened. I guess there was like an outbreak of them in the basement and a bunch came up at once. Maybe it was a ghost. It's something out of a horror movie. So that's been terrible. They don't really come into the office or the bedroom. So I'm hiding in there. As far as channeling, I chose Miranda this week because we know even though it was a dysfunctional episode that Miranda goes to therapy and I've had some like conflicts with other people that I was able to work through just through talking and listening and you know ended up in a much better place this week so I just feel like Miranda's probably healthy as far as friend interpersonal relationships maybe 
And I feel like I'm kind of a Miranda this week. So before we get into the recap, Megan, do you have some research on this episode you can share with us? I sure do. So this episode, like Kristen mentioned, is season two, episode 12, La Douleur Exquise. And fun fact about that, the literal translation is the exquisite pain, but it is a French expression and there's not a true apples to apples translation from French to English. And it's basically just a word to describe the pain of loving someone that, you know, doesn't love you back or that you can't be with. This episode had a 7.8 rating on IMDb, which was pretty high. I think it's tied as the highest with one other episode. This episode, if you look up iconic episodes of Sex in the City or like most watched, this is on most of the list. So this is one of their most popular episodes. Yeah, a lot happens in this episode. So it makes sense. The episode aired on August 22nd, 1999. And the writers for this episode were MPK. And then we had a new writer, a guy named Ollie Levy. And I did a little bit of digging on Ollie. There's really just not much about him. He's basically always been the behind the scenes film guy. You know, he's been assistants to writers and producers and like those assistant roles for Sex and the City and, and other TV shows. He's mainly been a script co- coordinator and not actually a writer by trade. From what I can tell, It doesn't seem like he's in the film industry anymore, but this Sex and the City episode is actually his only writing credit. My guess would be that he probably had an idea for the episode that was like, that was like critical to the episode. So they had to give him a writing credit just because he literally hasn't written anything else, but he was also a script coordinator on a couple of their shows, including that. So Raven, Roseanne, Saved by the Bell, and some other stuff. For director this week, we had Allison Anders. So we saw her for the first time a couple of episodes in the cast system. And then we had a couple of guest stars. One is a very important one, Will Arnett, Canadian icon. And he plays Miranda's love interest in the episode. I feel like everyone knows him, but maybe not. If you don't know him, he's most known for playing Job in Arrested Development. And he is also Bojack Horseman. And he's been in basically a million different things and does a good amount of voice acting. So he's done some stuff for children's TV shows and movies, like all of the Lego movies. Horton Hears a Who, Despicable Me, that kind of stuff. And then everybody, I think, knows that Will was married to Amy Poehler for a while. And he's made appearances on all of those kind of shows like 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, The Office, Mm. stuff like that. His role in Sex and the City is one of his first big ones. You can tell too. He is so young. He's you know, a child. In that. Yeah. I'm not sure how old he was when this episode came out, but he was definitely fresh to acting at that point. And then the other guest star we have is James Urbaniak. He plays a shoe store owner that we meet in this episode named Buster. And James really keeps booked and busy. He's mainly a TV actor with bit parts and things and a lot of stuff I haven't heard of, but he's also had recurring roles and stuff like The Office, Difficult People, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's obviously done the Law and Order circuit and has done 
some guest appearances. I don't know if you call them guest appearances, but has done some bit roles in Better Call Saul and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And <laughs> listeners that remember the 90s may also remember him as the pizza guy in the famous Budweiser was it commercials. Those commercials were really dumb, but they were super popular in the 90s. I was actually excited for this episode because he also does the voice of Dr. Venture in the Venture Brothers, which I was a big fan of. There's just like random celebrities that are character actors that I think are really funny. I like follow him on Twitter. He shows up in a lot of things and it is funny because every now and then he'll tweet and he's like, remember when I was that dude from sex in the sex in the city episode (laughs) like that was weird yeah no he's one of those people I didn't know his name but I definitely seen him places if you are trying to place his face he plays Rolf one of Dwight's friends (laughs) in the office who's really weird yeah yeah that's what he looks like cool well I think we're ready to get started with the recap all right So this episode opens inside of a restaurant and Carrie is narrating that in NYC, restaurants are always looking for the next new angle in order to attract customers and stand out. This restaurant is one that Samantha is doing PR for. It's the grand opening and it's an S&M themed restaurant. So there's no full nudity, but everybody that's working there is like scantily clad. They're all wearing black leather harnesses and they've got whips and there's chains everywhere. We pan over to Carrie and Miranda. Carrie voices over that all of the gals were invited to the opening and Carrie and Miranda are standing there. They're wearing their all black outfits and Carrie's quipping that this is what happens when the mayor shuts down the sex shops they end up in your cuisine we then see Stanford come to meet them he's wearing a black and white suit instead of his pastel colors and he sees Carrie and he's like well I know where I'm taking my mom next time she comes to visit Outside, we see Samantha. She's working the door. She's got the guest list in one hand and a writing crop in the other. She's telling people to stand back and swinging the crop around. She's really getting into it. And Charlotte comes to the front of the line. Charlotte's wearing a pink dress. And Samantha's like, oh, this is an interesting outfit. The invitation said dress kinky. And Charlotte's hair is in tight waves. And she's like, yeah, kinky hair. So Samantha works at that and is like, get inside, go have fun. So we see later, Samantha is now at a table with them. They're having a waiter who's wearing basically a leather thong and a harness serve them drinks. And he brings a martini with an olive. And Samantha's like, no, I said lemon. And she is hitting him with the crop. And Charlotte is like, wow, to have to work in this environment dressed like that, that must be humiliating. Samantha defends it and says, like, they're all working. They're paying their bills. This is just what they're into. And they're having fun with it. And then she's like, I wonder what your fetish is, Charlotte. Stanford makes a joke that it's Crabtree and Evelyn Popery. And of course, Charlotte is horrified by the idea that she would like anything other than plain bland vanilla sex. But that conversation is cut off because Carrie gets up and she says she has to go because Big is leaving for Paris in the morning and she wants to say goodbye. We next see Carrie standing outside of Big's door. She's wearing a top hat and she's got the crop that Samantha gave her. And she's posing so that when Mr. Big opens the door, she's standing there with the crop in her mouth. And he opens the door and is like, what is this? 
and she's annoyed with him but then they start making out and then he takes off her hat and her necklace meanwhile we see stanford is back at home he's got a drink and a cigarette and he's in front of his computer and we learn that he has an active sex life online as rick nine plus Carrie narrates that he found a website where he was comforted because he found other fans that shared his underwear fetish, which is wearing underwear. Is that a fetish? But all right. And so he's been chatting with a lot of men on this underpants fetish website. And we see a couple of different names popping up. But then there's his favorite guy. Big tool for you is his username. And Stanford's excited to chat with him because they have some really good conversations, quote unquote. Carrie says some fetishes can only flourish in the late night hours on a laptop. So the next day, Charlotte is out walking. And like any other normal woman in Manhattan, she is obsessed with shoes. She sees really cute shoes in a window of a store. So she goes in and the man working there is like, oh, interested in shoes? And Charlotte says, no, I'm just looking. I can't afford any shoes. I just want to look around. And he looks at her feet and it's like, oh, size seven, right? She's like, yeah. And then he picks up the shoes she was looking at and is like, these happen to be a seven. You should try them on. So she does. And she's like, oh, they're so beautiful. He says they're $400. And she's like, no, I'm saving up for a share in the Hampton. So I can't. So then the salesman says, okay, for you, 200. And she's like, how can that be? And he says, these shoes need to be worn and enjoyed. And you're going to need nice shoes for your trip to the Hamptons. And so this whole time he sat her down and put the shoe on her foot and is caressing and looking at her feet. It's pretty subtle at this point, but a little bit of foreshadowing. Charlotte is excited and we assume that she got the shoes. We then jump over to a bookstore where Miranda is browsing some books that are outside and we learn that she's really into historical biographies. So as she's looking at books, a man comes up and he starts picking up some other books and she makes a comment about like, that one's really good. And he's like, yeah, I just read another one that he did. And they chat a little bit about biographies. Then he says, I'm Jack. And Carrie does her narration of, as Miranda picked up the copy of the biography she wanted, Jack picked up Miranda. So the next morning, Carrie is at Biggs. Big is packing his luggage. And she says she's going to miss him. And in his classic Mr. Big tone, he's like, well, I'll be back next week and you can help me unpack. So Carrie does a little thing where she zips and unzips his bag and then is like, see, I helped. Then she's like, oh, before you leave, Charlotte wants to do a summer share in the Hamptons this year. So I don't know if you had anything planned or if I should do that. And he's like, you should do that. I might not be here this summer. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I might have to move to Paris. Carrie's understandably surprised and is like, how long? And he says seven months, maybe a year, but I'll know more after this trip. And she stands up on the bed and it's like, well, when were you going to tell me this? And he's like, well, when I know more. Uh, and it's typical Mr. Big Boys. And then the door buzzes and he's like, my car is here to take me to the airport. I have to go. But we can talk more about this later. He tells her that this has been in the works for a while now. So this yeah. is not something that he hasn't known about until recently. Right. So then we cut to Carrie and she's out with the gals at their usual brunch place. And she's recounting this story to them, getting increasingly more upset and speaking louder and shouting about what was happening. Charlotte's like, well, maybe it's not that bad. You can do long distance and it's only going to be temporary. 
And Kara's like, yeah, but the problem is that he made these decisions and I'm not even a factor. Samantha agrees and she's like, yeah, for women, we means me and him. For men, we means me and my penis. Carrie is just getting even more upset and now she's yelling and like making a scene. She's slamming her fists on the yeah, table. Yeah, she's slamming her fists at the table. She's being really overdramatic and she's like, I can't believe this is happening again. All of the women are kind of quiet. Miranda leans over and it's like, calm down. Let's not break anything. It's going to be okay. And Carrie's like, I don't know. I must be a masochist or something. So then this gets Carrie to thinking. And we see her writing in her apartment that she's in an S&M relationship with Mr. Big. So she's thinking about at what point in a relationship do you know the difference between growing pains and just pain pains? And how do you know when enough is enough? So now it is Tuesday night and Miranda and Jack just had dinner and Carrie's narrating that it was the best first date that Miranda has ever been on. And so they're walking down the street and they're laughing and talking about books. And then Jack's like, wait, this is something I wanted to show you. He stops her at an old building that's set back from the street. And he's like, Mark Twain lived here. And Miranda's mildly interested. She's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, let's go back. I'll show you which little house was his. And they go into this front courtyard. Then he starts making out with Miranda. And Miranda's like, oh, somebody's going to see. He's like, yeah, but that's what makes it hot. So we cut away from that scene to see Carrie at her apartment with Stanford. She says now that her one man, Big, is out of town, she can finally make time for her other man, Stanford. So they're drinking Cosmos and smoking cigarettes at a little table. And Stanford's like, okay, promise not to judge me. Carrie says, who am I to judge? I had bangs in the 80s, which shots fired against bangs, Carrie. But then Stanford reveals that he's been having cyber sex with the username Rick9+. And he's been chatting with a lot of guys, but the guy he likes the most is Big Tool for you. And they've had a really great time, but now Big Tool wants to meet in person. So Carrie does laugh and make fun of him a little bit, but not too bad. And then she asks him, do you want to meet him? And basically makes Stanford lay out the reasons why he does want to meet her. He does want to meet up. And then Carrie's like, you should go have a fun, naughty adventure, but be safe. But then Stanford says that he's worried that this guy's going to see him and, you know, think he's not good enough because Big Tool has been talking about how in shape he is and everything. And then Carrie's like, well, are you really nine plus? And Stanford is like, oh, I see what you're saying. Basically implying that everybody lies about how good looking they are on the Internet. Stanford says that he's scared that Big Tool is going to diss him, which oh, he does I thought that. was very <laughs> funny, and we will talk about later. So after Stanford leaves, Carrie is wasted. But honestly, SJP is so bad at acting drunk, so she basically decides that she's going to drunk dial Mr. Big. She calls him in Paris, where it is 5.30 in the morning, wakes him up, and then starts yelling at him. She's venting that she's upset with him for not telling her that he could be moving to Paris and not considering her. He's just annoyed. Then she starts ranting, and she's like, I'm a woman, woman. And he's like, all right, have another cocktail. He's super annoyed and not charmed at all. And then she like spills the drink on her and starts cursing. And he's like, well, I have a big meeting at 9 a.m. I'm hanging up and hangs up on her. 
It's a few nights later and Miranda and Jack are in a cab together and Jack leans over and whispers at Miranda to take off her underwear. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I want to go down on you. And she does. It's awkward because she's making noises and then the cab driver looks at her in the rearview mirror and she's like, yeah, this is a great way to go, which obviously the cab driver knows what's happening. Cabs are small. But that's the end of that scene. And we move to the next day when Charlotte goes back to the shoe store. She sees the sales guy again, whose name we now know is Buster. He's like, oh, you're back. Let's try on some more shoes. And he's admiring her feet. It tells her she has really high arches and asks her if she's a dancer. She says no. And he's just really flattering her. And then he's like, these shoes, aren't they perfect? She loves them. And then he says they're $500. And she's like, oh, I can't afford that. And he says, well, for you, they're free. She's like, that would be amazing, but why? And he's like, your feet look tired and they deserve these shoes and maybe a little foot massage. And she's like, oh, okay. So then he is rubbing her feet and really getting into it. And he does whisper, thank you, which is super creepy. Later that day or later in the week, Charlotte, Miranda, and Carrie are all walking together. Carrie is going on and on about her and Big, and it's actually going to be great. She realized that she was getting too angry at him, that this would be something that they could possibly break up over, and she doesn't want that. So it's actually going to be wonderful because she's going to visit him in Paris, and who wouldn't want to go visit their boyfriend in Paris? And Miranda's like, oh man, that's great. Your love life takes you to Paris. Mine's takes me to a public restroom. And she's explaining that she's only had sex in public with Jack. They've done it in cabs, in a restroom, in an elevator, at a hotel. Charlotte is pretty horrified. But Charlotte's like, well, you like this guy. You should really tell him you want to like have sex in the bedroom. You want to see what's really there. And Miranda's like, yeah, I know, but this is obviously his kink. Without the thrill of being caught, I don't know if I'm going to be enough for him. And Miranda's being open and expressing legit concerns when Carrie interrupts to admire Charlotte's shoes. And she's like, oh my God, they're so pretty. Carrie's like, they were like $500, right? And Charlotte says, no, I actually got them for free. And then they're asking and she basically explains that Buster, the sales guy, gave her a foot massage. And then we see in Charlotte's face, when she says it out loud, she just feels gross. So later that day, she takes the shoes back to the shoe store and she sees Buster there and says, I want to return these. And he's like, well, you can't. They've been worn. I'm just going to throw them away. And Charlotte doesn't want that because they're so beautiful. So she says, I would pay for them, but I can't afford it and I don't have the money. So he's like, well, you could work it off. We have new styles that just came in from Europe and I would love to see them on someone. So maybe try them on. So Charlotte's like, okay, I just have to try them on. And he's like, yes. So Charlotte sits down and she's pretty excited because she's seeing all these new pretty shoes and she's excited to see them and try them. But then Buster is putting them on her foot one by one and he's making really gross sounds. He's getting really turned on by this. And then I don't know if he like gets off. Yeah, that's the implication. Okay. It's very gross. And then he was like, thank you again. Charlotte is horrified. And I don't think she's going to be going back to that shoe store. Now it's been a week and Mr. Big is back in town. 
So Carrie welcomes him home by coming over to his place. She's wearing a beret and she's carrying a big bag of McDonald's. And she's doing like a French accent to I'm like, French fries. And she has a, a fish fillet and a McChicken or something. Mr. Big is not amused by this at all. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I came to apologize. This is me doing an apology. She doesn't actually apologize. They go in the kitchen and she's unpacking the food, which she is not interested in at all. She's like, I've been thinking we can really make this work. We'll do phone sex. I can visit you. And then if it's really still not going well, I can probably move to Paris for a while and do the article Les Sex in Les City. And Mr. Big's like, oh, cool. But you'd be moving to Paris for yourself, right? I don't want you to uproot your life and expect anything. Carrie is so upset by this. She picks up the McDonald's food and throws it across the room at the wall. And Big's like, calm down. And they have a fight about it. She's just mad that he can't factor in their relationship in any of the decisions he's making or how he lives his life. So he's like, I have a job where I need to be able to move if I have to. And then Carrie's like, well, you're just moving because you have feelings that this relationship is getting too serious and you need to put an ocean between us. And Big's like, well, this isn't about us. Carrie's like, well, that's the problem. So they fight back and forth. And then Carrie's just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And Big is pretty calm. And he's like, yeah, I understand. And then Carrie walks over and she's like, you said you loved me. He says, I do. And then she's like, then why does it hurt so much? And runs out the door. As she's walking home, she realizes that she's mostly mad at herself for letting him hurt her again. And she does an S&M analogy. He's the one that's abusing her, but she's the one that put herself in that situation. And she should know better. Across town, Stanford is now at the club at the Meatpacking District, waiting to meet his online lover. He walks in and realizes that this is an underwear-only club, so he has to take off all of his clothes, just be in his underwear. He's pretty nervous about that. He contemplates just leaving. Nobody's seen him in his underwear in a while, and he's unsure, but he ultimately is going to go for it. We skip back over to Miranda. She is making out with Jack in an apartment. And Carrie narrates that to her surprise, Jack had no problem agreeing to make love in a bedroom that night. Miranda and Jack are kissing and then they go towards the bed and Miranda's underneath Jack and they're both super into it. Miranda is like, okay, Jack really is attracted to me and not just getting caught. And she's really letting loose and... They're both fully clothed, but it's implied that they're actually having sex. And Miranda's screaming pretty loudly. And then she's like, wait, I hear voices. And Jack's like, oh, those are my parents. They're visiting. And they're like still having sex. And Miranda is horrified. And she's like, it sounds like they're coming in. Are they coming in? And then two older people in bathrobes walk in. And they're like confused, standing in the doorway watching them as Jack finishes. And Miranda is horrified. Then we cut back to Stanford. He's now in the club, in his underpants. There's a lot of guys dancing. They're playing that bad voice in song, Rockefeller Skank. And he is standing by the bar and he sees a guy who's younger and more fit than Stanford. And he's eyeing him. And the guy comes over and he's looking at Stanford's underwear. And he's like, oh, I've never seen something like that before. And he asks Stanford to do a little twirl. And Stanford's very excited because this guy's really admiring him. And he's like, yeah, they're French. I got them in Paris. And the guy's like smiling. And then Stanford is like, big tool for you. And the guy's like, what? And then he says, another beer for you? And the guy's like, yeah, but I'll pay. 
implying that he's into it, but also he doesn't just want Stanford to buy him a drink. He actually likes him. So then Stanford's happy and that scene kind of pulls away that he is having like a meaningful interaction. It is 2.30 a.m. Carrie's at home in bed, but she can't sleep. Her door buzzes and she gets up and answers it. And it's Mr. Big. And Carrie narrates that there were no words left. We said all of them. But he grabs her and lifts her up and they're kissing and then they have sex. It's the next morning. The sun's out and Carrie's looking out the window. This really like sweeping moody French music is playing. And she's narrating that after they made love, she knew it was over. And she's contemplating whether she ever really loved Mr. Big or if she was just addicted to the pain of wanting somebody so unattainable. He wakes up and is like, come to bed. And she says, go to Paris. I'm not going to come. It's okay. And he's like, no, come to bed. And she's pretty much at this point over it. She's like, no. And he gets up and then we see her looking out the window, watching him leave her apartment. He turns around and looks up and she looks down and they both kind of half smile at each other. And then he walks away and she is alone with her true love, cigarettes. She lights up a cigarette in a dramatic fashion and she narrates that just like that, she had untied herself from Mr. Big. She was free, but there was nothing exquisite about it. And that is the end of this episode. Megan, what did you think overall thoughts on this one? I feel like this one was a mixed bag. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. There were things that I thought were really funny. And then there were things that I was just like, "Ugh, this is so hard to watch right now. I feel like the vibe of this one definitely feels very different than any of the other episodes that we've watched. You said that. I didn't really notice. I feel like the last scene, they were really trying to do like the end of a French movie. I don't know. What was it about the vibe? Oh, it just felt very different, a little bit darker, I guess. I didn't really hate the concept of everyone having fetishes, kinks, quirks, whatever else, but per usual, the execution was a little bit sloppy. And I also felt like the thesis on this one was a little bit loose. I see what Carrie's saying, but the thesis really only applies to her in this instance. Yeah. And then all the other girls in Stanford are having their fetish storylines, but that doesn't actually directly tie with what her thesis is. So this leads me to my first question. If we can discuss Miranda's storyline first. How did you take the ending of that? Is it that his parents were visiting and he wanted his parents to walk in on them? Yeah, I think so. I think the idea was that he only can get off if there's the risk of getting caught. So even if it's just by his parents, he'll do that. Why would they go to his place and not hers otherwise? The first time I watched this episode, I actually thought it was funny because I thought that he still lived with his parents because when they do the intro and Carrie's like, and just when Miranda picked up a book, Jack picked up Miranda. Carrie didn't do the thing where she says like an accomplished accountant who works for so-and-so. Like he Mm -hmm. didn't get any accolades. So I was like, oh, maybe it's supposed to be that he lives with his parents And he keeps having sex in public because he doesn't want to ever take Miranda back to his place. 
But then why wouldn't they go back to Miranda's? And then the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, so he wanted to get caught. But then the third time I watched it, the parents walking in and being confused is so weird. Yeah, no, I was going to bring that up also. They are like literally standing there just watching for several seconds. And I'm like, are these people that he like paid to walk in on them? What is going on? Yeah, like you would think you would be like, oh, and then you close the door and be embarrassed. You close the door and you leave. But instead they're watching. So then I'm like, Like, are they just a freak family? Silently watching. Or I wonder if this is just a thing that he has always done, even when he was a teenager, where they're just like, oh God, he's still doing this. (laughs) I don't know. confused to like the act of sex i mean it was weird because they were both fully clothed oh my god yeah they were shirt off but no he had his shirt off miranda literally had all of her clothes on (laughs) they were like basically just dry humping it was very weird there's other stuff i want to talk about with miranda's storyline as well but i think that maybe carrie didn't give him the accolades that everyone else gets because she met him at a bookstore and he obviously likes the same kind of books that she does. So we don't need more information than that. I just feel like all of the sex scenes with Miranda and Jack were funny to me because when they were super over the top and outlandish, right? But hmm. the other piece is Miranda was the one in previous episodes where she was like, oh my gosh, you're watching this movie. And as soon as they start making out, the girl's screaming like she's going <laughs> to orgasm. And I'm like, that was literally what Miranda did in every scene of this. Like yeah. in the taxi cab, the dude is going down on her for literally 0.5 seconds before she starts screaming. And I'm like, give me a break. It is not that quick. And also like that whole thing, it's a cab. Like you said it in the recap. Obviously the cab driver knows what's happening if there were two people and then he looks in the mirror and he can only see one. Right, exactly. Like what the fuck? It was so And weird. also the fact if he didn't say something, it's like, oh God, people probably do this. You're, take your underwear off. I mean, I guess there's a skirt underneath her legs, but I'm just like, it's a filthy cab. It's never been cleaned. And the fact that the cab driver isn't pulling over means people have done that before and it's never been clean it just seems so gross I feel like the first scene was a little bit steamy and I could see why that would be like hot but it just escalated and each time was weirder and weirder which I think is the point yeah it's just weird that Miranda went along with it that much the thing in the cab you're an adult woman I think the idea is that she does like it a little bit, but then he takes it too far. That was my takeaway. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. She was always like coyly like, no, we can't. And then he'd be like, no, let's do it. And then she'd be like, okay, let's do it. And if she really hated it, Miranda's the type of person that would just not do it. And that was the thing as well. Miranda is learning about this fetish that she has through this guy, but this guy is taking it too far was my takeaway. Probably kind of ruined it for her now because you don't want anybody to actually walk in on you, let alone somebody's parents and just full on stand there. And now you've got to do the walk of shame out past them. I know. It's so weird. And the last thing I have to say on Miranda is I really feel like the gals have been neglecting her lately. Like she's talking about her issues with Jack to Carrie and Charlotte. And then Carrie cuts her off and is like, wait, Charlotte has new shoes. I know. 
especially because Carrie was having a full-on freak out and people were turning heads at the restaurant. And then like that scene opens with Carrie again talking about her and Big the whole time they've been doing whatever they're doing. And then Miranda finally has three sentences to talk about an issue she's having and is saying this vulnerable thing. And Carrie's just like, well, it's not me anymore. Let's talk about shoes. Totally. I got that vibe too. This is after they were all so unsupportive after she and Steve broke up. Yep. Can you guys be nice to Miranda, please? She deserves better. I know. And she, I feel bad for this episode because her friends are not supportive. And she meets this guy post Steve that it seems like she likes and they have fun together and they have a common interest. And I also really liked that little note about her reading a bunch of historical biographies. I thought that was just a little detail that gives them some humanity. And I like it when they put that in there. And then she meets this guy that's like into the same thing she is and she likes him. And then it's just another weird sex thing that is, in this case, the total deal which is fair I think yeah oh yeah can we talk about Stanford a little bit yes I think I liked Stanford's storyline probably the best of all of them I do feel like there were some problematic elements to it I think it's just a little too stereotypically gay which is interesting that two of the creators and main writers of the show are gay men and they're just like still thriving on stereotypes But I liked his story. I liked that he was a scared little otter and a gay bar full of hunky men that were like super ripped. And he's like this little hairy chested dad bod guy. And then he still finds somebody that finds him attractive. And I feel like Stanford's really sweet. And I think Carrie's mean to him sometimes. And I don't like it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that Willie Garrison pulls off very like vulnerable and sweet. And you can't help but just feel like empathetic when he goes into the club and they're like oh you have to take your clothes off and he's like and he's so nervous he starts like panicking you just want to be like no it's okay and that's why I was annoyed with Carrie because when they're doing their hangout, he says no judgments. She's a little judgy, but I mean, that's Carrie. But then she gives him good advice. Like you should go be safe, have fun. But then when he says that he thinks that big tool for you might diss him, she's like, oh, well, probably not because you guys are both lying about your appearance on the internet. Yeah. Why and are you shaming? Like, no way, man. You're a catch. I know. You're totally right. That is so mean. And Stanford, good for him for facing his fears and having something good come from it. I thought his storyline was fun. I also liked the screen name stuff. And one thing you mentioned in the recap that I wanted to bring up, you were like, I guess wearing underwear is a fetish. I was thinking of it kind of like the same way how straight men or whomever really may have lingerie fetishes. It's the same thing Mm. for gay men where they definitely have sexy underwear for men where you're seeing the shape of things but some things are still left to the imagination like I could see that being a thing I really like the joke where Stanford's asking him like big tool for you and the guy's like huh and he's like another beer for you (laughs) it was a nice recovery that was uh that was a funny gag I liked that too Let's talk about Charlotte. Yeah, I liked her storyline. I think Charlotte is the worst, but I really like shoes and you go someplace and it's like, okay, well, I mean, you're getting these beautiful shoes for free. But then at the end, I mean, it was weird that she tried to return the shoes and be like, I (laughs) want to pay for them, but I can't afford them. Like, what do you want to happen? When I was watching the episode, because I love foot rubs, I (laughs) am always trying to scam my feet in Mitch's lap to get a foot rub. It's like, oh, that's the dream. Somebody's just like really into rubbing 
rubbing your feet. But then when he's really into it, you're like, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> it's not just somebody who's like, I just want to gently massage your feet while we watch TV at night for hours. It's a weird it's a fetish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the groaning noises that he's making. Charlotte's horrified. I thought it was funny. What did you think? I thought her storyline was pretty funny. It was cringy, but also funny. The idea of her not being able to afford shoes. Give me a break. Well, Charlotte she's saving like, up to go to the Hamptons. I know. But even then, it's like, all right, Charlotte, whatever. Yeah. So that I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit, but... I thought it was funny. This is pre-Wiki Feet, so I yeah. guess foot fetishes just had to own shoe stores. And so he was 100% just stealing those shoes, right? I guess so. I got the impression that he was the owner. He wasn't like stealing from the company. He was paying her in shoes. This is just a thing he does. Yeah, I but I do think it's kind of funny because Charlotte is the most judgmental of all of them. Mm -hmm. And like in a way, she is kind of doing sex work in this episode. It's foot yeah. stuff, but yeah. she's, she's exchanging her feet for shoes, expensive shoes. And I think when they're kind of walking down the street, she does have that realization Oh, like that's kind of what this is. And I thought that was amusing given that she is usually terrible about everything that she finds herself in this situation. No, I totally agree. And it, it's just on par for Charlotte because like if she found out that one of the other gals was doing that, she would be so judgy. Mm -hmm. But she does whatever she wants and then just says, these are the rules. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, she's a hypocrite. Totally. Which I think is why I liked the story. Yeah. Because I'm like, ah, oh, we see her being a hypocrite again. Buster, the shoe store owner. He was funny. I mean, he was creepy. Very creepy. It was funny. Like, that's the point, though, right? Right. The last scene, I think, did go a little too far. We didn't need to see him finish while she's trying on shoes. So let's chat Samantha. There's not too much to chat about her. And then we can really dig into the Carrie Big stuff. Yeah. We've talked about this previously, so I won't belabor this too much, but they really always do Samantha dirty in this show. The last couple episodes, she's had no real storyline. She's basically just been a bit of an afterthought, and it's never anything super revealing about her as a person outside of sex. It's just like, ugh, of course her PR agency is representing a BDSM restaurant. I do feel like her perspectives on everything were spot on this episode. And I think she's frequently correct in her yeah. opinions, but I hate that they don't give her anything good ever. The only storyline about her personally, I guess last week we had the guy that had broken her heart. So like we know that at one point she was in love with somebody. Mm -hmm. And then we have three or four episodes where she was dating James. But even that, it was all about his penis. We know absolutely nothing about Samantha besides she likes sex. And she was once in love with a real asshole. That's it. And we know so much more about everyone else. Exactly. They just make her too one-dimensional. I think yeah. she could still be the sexually forward one, but also have better storylines, you know, but they just don't even try and do that. So no, wonder... it's really weird. It's like, I guess they just don't like her character because they all have sexual forward storylines. So yeah. like, well, we have to save all the good ones for Samantha. Miranda gets a ton of weird ones too. Yeah. I mean, they all get weird ones, right? Yeah. But... 
no wonder Kim Cattrall like didn't want to be in any of the reboot or any of that stuff. They always do her character dirty. They do. And I don't know if that was conflict between her and the writers or if they just thrive off of stereotypes and one dimensions. Yeah. But I feel like they put more effort in for the other gals. She had the correct perspectives about not being judgmental of people's fetishes and the idea that everybody has something that they're kind of into. These people are just more open and expressive about it and thinking, you know, that's potentially even a better way to be. I know it was the grand opening, so that restaurant probably was going over the top. Mm -hmm. For health reasons, wouldn't want my waiter. His full butt cheeks were out. He was wearing like a thong. I don't want the chances that a pube is going to get into my drink because the staff are not wearing clothing. Yeah, I think that's fair. For sanitary purposes, I probably wouldn't go as a restaurant. As a bar, it's fine, I think. Yeah, but they're making it that it's a restaurant. Yeah, but then you don't actually see anybody eating anything. All right. Talk about Carrie. Let's dig in. Carrie's anger issues are really a problem in this episode. I know. Full on tantrums. Well, she has the restaurant thing, which I found so embarrassing. I know that she was frustrated that she found out that he might move to Paris, but at that point, she had the night to think about it. And she still has to slam her fists down and be like a baby because she's mad that her emotionally disconnected boyfriend did something again. And then when she throws the McDonald's across the room, you literally just gave him a black eye two episodes ago. And now you're throwing things like that. She needs anger management. The way that she deals with her negative feelings is super unhealthy. Listen, I would be pissed too if I found out, but I don't know if you noticed this, but in the scene in the restaurant where she's like banging her hands on the table and the knives and silverware is going everywhere in the background, you see people looking at her like, whoa, what's going on? How are you not embarrassed? All of the other girls I'm sure are embarrassed. You need to control yourself. We live in a society. You can't express your anger in that way. It's not healthy. It puts the burden of your emotions on everyone else. And Carrie, you need therapy, girl. She does. She does a lot of really negative stuff in this episode to where Mm -hmm. fundamentally I feel bad for her because big is really shitty in Mm -hmm. general. But it's also the way she justifies everything and like the way she treats other people. It's like at the end, I'm just like, thank God they broke up. I really don't want to watch this again. They're obviously going to get back together probably like three more times. Hopefully they'll come up with some new conflicts. I'm in the same boat as you. I understand why she feels this frustration, but I feel like it escalated too quickly. And I think sees that the end of the relationship is in sight and she's doing everything that she can to hold on to it even though it may not be worth it she needs to learn how to express her anger better even big when they're arguing he's like i need to be in a relationship where if i need to go to paris i can go to paris without a scene and i'm like that's not great either you need to include your partner and like decisions like that but also the way she reacts to shit of course he doesn't want to tell her until he has more details she's so volatile that's a good point and what Uh, did you think of her showing up with the beret is this episode sponsored by mcdonald's the product placement seemed very apparent i don't really understand what was up with that just because they sell french fries i don't know if it was sponsored by mcdonald's i feel like they wouldn't like that she threw the big mac across the room i know 
that's what I thought was really interesting about this episode. He is just over her at this point. She comes to the apartment and she's posing at the very beginning. And he's like, what are you doing? And then she's like, ah, I've got my like top hat. And he's like, okay, we can have sex. And then when he's packing, she's like, I'm going to miss you. And he's like, well, I'll be back. And then he drops the bomb about moving. And then he's like, well, I got to go. And then when he's back, he's been gone a week. And she shows up with the French fries and the beret. And he's like, again, what is this? And she asks him, like, what do you want? The Big Mac or the filet of fish? And he's like, I do not care. And then when she says, I can't do this anymore, he just says, yeah, I understand. I have a couple thoughts on this. So I think I had different reads on the first two situations that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The first where she comes in with a crop in her mouth and she's wearing the circus ringmaster top hat. I didn't take it like he was not into it. I think he was just surprised, like, what's going on? Maybe he didn't know that the thing that she was at was a BDSM thing. Because when she came in, I thought they had a nice enough time. So I didn't read it like he was like, oh, Carrie's here. I read it more like, oh, he's surprised because this is out of character for her. And she's like, come on, you're supposed to laugh. It's a joke. And then for the packing stuff, I think his comment was just to more be like, you're literally just sitting here watching me pack and not helping at all. So he says, yeah, I'll be back in a week so you can watch me unpack, which is why she then does the thing where she zips something and she's like, see, I helped. So I was taking those things differently. The last one, though, I think you're totally right. He's over the situation by then. I do feel like when a guy knows it's over but hasn't ended it yet they do start just acting like that and i wonder if it's their way of just being like maybe she'll break up with me so i don't have to do it Um, seems like it well the thing about the packing is that if you're with somebody and you're going on a trip and they say i'll miss you you don't say i'll miss you too that's his whole thing though he's evasive that's true that's a good point i didn't feel like anything was super off until after the fights and stuff so You read it right the first time. It is my apology to Mr. Big. Okay. Because if you remember from the chicken dance episode where they attend the wedding, Mm -hmm. I really gave Mr. Big a lot of grief for walking out while Carrie was reading the poem that she wrote and saying that Mr. Big doesn't support her career and that it's just totally rude. I still agree for someone I'm with. But when we first met Mr. Big, he was introduced as the next Donald Trump, only younger. Obviously, his career is his entire life. He just works all the time. When he's free, sometimes he'll go to a cocktail party, probably with his work associates, and then he sees Carrie. I don't even think we actually know what he does for a living. She never talks about his work. I'm sure she never asks. I don't think she has any interest in that. So in the context of their relationship, they don't care about each other's work. And I think that that's the thing, if I can defend Mr. Big. My apology is that, I shouldn't be mad at him for not caring about Carrie's work because I realize now Carrie doesn't care at all about his job. And I think his job is a huge part of his life. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. You're right. They don't ever talk about work, do they? Yeah, we really don't know what he does. I mean, I'm assuming he's some sort of like finance guy. They don't, even with his friends, they went to that cocktail party, which Carrie was a huge brat about. I mean, I guess that's why he can't bring her to work function because she'll make a scene and make it about her. I feel like of the two of us, I've always gone a little bit easier on Mr. Big, but they were both in the wrong in this episode. And the last few episodes, even, I feel like they're both in the wrong in a lot of things. Mm But I always think that Big is actually more right than Carrie most of the time. What did you think in this one? 
I think Carrie is right to be angry, Mm -hmm. but that entire point gets disrupted by the fact that she's so unhealthily expressing it. I 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. In theory, by the books, he is totally wrong. That was a messed up thing to do. But then she just makes it so much worse. And then she's accusing him that this is about our relationship and you're moving to get away from me because you're afraid of your feelings. Maybe there's some truth to that, but you're overcomplicating it. You're mad like you were at the get-go because he didn't tell you about this huge thing. I've also had this exact same thing happen to me. So I can judge her for how she (laughs) Yeah. I even think that last fight, it's not even really about that anymore. I feel like she's just desperate to try and keep him and she's doing anything that she can. And he's just already let go of the relationship. And I think that anger is coming from being frustrated that she can't control the situation entirely on her own. Yeah. So her actions are still not good. No, that's the thing always with Carrie, even when she does have a good point, every time she has a conflict like this, I always at the core usually agree with her about what the issue is, but the way she deals with it, I think just counteracts everything she's saying. You're not going to win friends and keep partners that way, you know? All righty. I think we've talked that one through quite a bit. Do you have any questions? I had one question, which you kind of answered already. Would you let a stranger touch your feet for free shoes? Yeah. That's why I really thought that it was funny because it's like, that's the dream. I'll let a stranger give me a foot massage. But then if he's like clearly getting off on it to where there's groaning, you're like, no, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. But yes, I love a foot massage. I have paid a stranger to massage my feet. I mean, at like a nail salon. (laughs) That's different though. (laughs) When you pay someone versus like someone. If someone wants to do it for free and then give me shoes, the dream. Would you? So I thought about this one. In theory, I feel like I would say yes. But I think in practice, I might be a Charlotte in this situation where I'm like, honestly, this feels a little bit icky. I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. Did you have any questions? Yes. One that I remember when I saw this episode years and years ago, been on my mind ever since. Do you think the guy at the bar was actually a big tool for you? And he was being like a little bit coy. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to admit to it. No, I don't think so. I think he was a stranger because like they don't actually know anything about each other. Right. Except these descriptions they've given of themselves on the internet. Yeah, I guess you didn't really upload pictures. So in theory, they might have seen Stanford. If he had his real name and Googled him, but I don't know. Yeah, and, I also and feel dog-piled like dogpiled him. <laughs> dogpiled. That was my favorite. That was my video. search engine too. Yeah. I feel like though, since they were meeting in a public place where there was going to be a lot of other people, they would have had some sort of mark or something right. that they would have had that's to be what, able to identify. I guess that's the thing that I always think about when I remember this part of this episode. What was their plan? How are they going to meet each other? Yeah. I want to know I whatever know. became a big tool for you. We'll never know. What other questions did you have? I guess my other question would be if you were in a semi-serious relationship, then you got this job opportunity, but it required you to move to Paris for six months to a year. What would you do? I think 
I would tell them immediately. Honestly, I feel like this is a trope we see all the time in TV shows and I'm going a little bit off the rails, but I promise I have a point. Okay. You always see people that find out they have cancer and then they don't tell anyone and then they start acting weird and they alienate themselves from everyone. And then all of the sudden, then they reveal that they have cancer, right? You could have saved all of that energy by just telling everybody when it happened. And I feel the same way in this situation. If he had told her when the conversations first started, they would have had time to just figure stuff out. And like, yeah, maybe it would have expedited them breaking up, but it may also have resulted in them finding better ways to stay together. You know what I mean? Do you think that part of it is he doesn't really want to stay together? Do you think that he was delaying telling her because he wants to delay the inevitable breakup? Yeah, I think that was his goal. I think the other thing you asked was whether we think he wants to break up with her when this happens or if it happens. And I think the answer is yes, honestly. Yeah, that's what it seems like. He doesn't want the commitment, right? Like he even says it after the Big Mac fight, she starts crying and she's like, why is it impossible for you to involve me in your life in any real way? And literally he says, I guess old habits die hard. He wants his independence. Right. And I think there can be people that are in relationships where they each independently do their own thing and have their own lives. But at the end of the day, they still come back together and they want to be together. But that's never going to be enough for Carrie, right? She needs someone that is always there. And he's just not that guy. I feel like some of the times when I side with Big, it's because I feel the same way. That's the nature of my question. You tell them right away. Yeah. But where did you want the relationship to go? It would depend. I literally had this happen. I was a student, but I started dating this guy and like we were only dating a couple months and then I had to move to France for school Mm -hmm. and we stayed together. So I was there for a while and he came out like one time to visit. It was fun. But like looking back, I wish I would have broken up with him. I got back from France and then we broke up pretty shortly after. And I'm like, I could have just had so many more fun experiences if I was not tied down by this fucking jabroni. And honestly, part of why we broke up was because I didn't want to move in together. So I feel like it would really depend when I was 20, when this was all happening, it's so different than now, right? If I was dating somebody like not that seriously, I probably would just want to break up because I don't want to be held back from other situations and opportunities just because of them, especially when it's so up in the air. Who knows if we're going to stay together in the long term or not? But if I was in a really committed relationship where we'd been together for years and I thought that there was definitively a future for us, then I probably would compromise. Yeah. What about you, Kristen? Imagine you get to move to Paris. You're not married and you admit you're not as committed as you are. So when I lived in Atlanta, I lived with Mitch and it wasn't great. Obviously said we loved each other, but we weren't super in love with each other like we are now. And so we were having like a lot of fights about stuff. We had a month or two where it was really good. And we're like, okay, we're making it work. And then he took me out to dinner one night and was like, so they offered me a job in New York and I'm going to move to New York. They offered it to him and they were like going to say, take some time to think about it. But he just was like, yeah, I'm totally going to do that because I've always wanted to do that. So he didn't tell me or his parents. 
And so it was just one of those things where I'm very proud of the way I handled it because it's upsetting to hear. But also we were both like, well, do you want to break up? No. So here are the things that we both need to do in order to stay together and live apart. I think I cried a little bit, but mostly it was just like, okay, we need to have a frank conversation about expectations and how we want this to work. And if we want to stay together. You know, I'm a big communication person. But if I was moving someplace and I was dating somebody, I would do the same thing. Of like, well, I really want to go and I'm going to go. I would like to keep dating you. I would like for you to move here because I'm obviously a relationship person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the dream. I wish that one of us could move to France for a while. Let's jump into the segments. Nostalgia. It was a very nostalgic episode. Totally. The first thing I have is Stanford meeting people on online chat rooms. Mm -hmm. That was so new and exciting at the time. I remember the first time using AOL Instant Messenger and doing chat rooms and stuff. And it was so exciting. I can't really explain it, but I did feel that excitement from Stanford. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. I remember that. In the 90s and even like through the early 2000s, there was always a lot of caution about meeting strangers from the internet in real life. They didn't really touch on that much in this episode. I mean, Carrie says, be safe, have fun. And he's meeting him in a public place. Yeah, but I thought it was weird they didn't more explicitly be like, oh, meeting strangers on the internet is dangerous because that would have really been of the time. I met a lot of my New York friends on the internet. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's so different now, right? Like, I feel like every new person you meet is off the internet. But at that time, it was perceived as much riskier. Yeah. I have two other things that I'll just quickly go through. Yeah, go for it. One is just that the porn website that Stanford was on, the vibe of it was very 1990s. It was very like Angel Fire page with just a bunch of images on there. Totally. And then the other thing that I noted was that when Charlotte was trying all those shoes on, she was wearing a toe ring. I noticed that too. I feel like a toe ring is very nostalgic. I haven't seen a toe ring in a while. Did you have anything Um, else? Yes. When Carrie drunk dials Mr. Big, he answers the phone and turns the light on. And I just feel like that's such a old school phone thing because normally you just put your phone on silent or you look over and see who was calling. Mm -hmm. Back when there were telephones, you got to turn on the light and answer the phone because it could be an emergency. When Carrie is in Mr. Big's apartment and she throws the McDonald's, he has one of those giant TVs mounted in the corner of his kitchen. The ones that are thick as they are wide. (laughs) And I thought that was really funny because it's like well he's supposed to be fancy and that tv looks so like old and out of style i know it was relevant for the time yeah there was definitely a lot of nostalgia in this episode it was a good time how about fashion i didn't have a ton of stuff The fashion that I have is that in his casual looks, Mr. Big is wearing just the ugliest shirts. Oh, yeah. He's wearing that like purple plaid thing at the end. They're like button up type. It's like a Hawaiian shirt style meets a bowling shirt. But then the prints are kind of almost shiny. I'm assuming he's not an overweight man, but they're just also unflattering. He looks like such a dork men's fashion in the 90s was not the best yeah it really wasn't so we're getting insight into why carrie likes men in suits i guess (laughs) well then at the restaurant stanford is wearing a black suit instead of his usual 
pastel dollars. I feel like it's the first time I've seen him in something that I liked him in. Oh my gosh. Also, when he goes to the Endy bar, he's wearing like this neon yellow shirt. Well, yeah. Before he <laughs> takes it off. And I'm That's like, honestly, this was for the best that they made you take your clothes off. He like, likes, he likes color. Those colors are a bit much. I really enjoyed, even though he was being disgusting. The Charlotte shoes montage. Those shoes were so 90s. There was like a pair of clear slides. I know. I saw those. I had a pair of shoes like that. Yeah. I mean, those things are coming back now, but I really just enjoyed the scene. Let's chat problematic. I mean, it's things we've talked about. Carrie's anger. She doesn't respond appropriate to things. Them being unsupportive of Miranda in general. And then you had said, and Miranda does see more into it, but it could be problematic of Jack trying to like force Miranda to have sex in weird places. I felt bad for the cab driver. They're doing stuff in the back of his cab. That's not really cool, but I don't think that's like a big problematic. Miranda seemed like she had agency to say no if she wanted to say no. Yeah. Would you have? I have a few things. So the things that you mentioned... But then Charlotte just being judgmental per usual about people with their fetishes. Not surprising, but still problematic. Can you just let people live, Charlotte? And then this ties in with Carrie's anger issues, but I counted it as a different thing. Just making big life decisions without telling your partner. Why are you even in a relationship if you're going to do that? Agreed. And and then I don't think this is like a huge thing, but just the stereotyping of the gay community. At the time, you know, we were talking about meeting internet strangers and it feels like in the 90s, it was like, oh, gay men are really the ones that are doing this, actually going out and meeting men from the internet. So it's just a stereotypical storyline to begin with. And we don't get very many Stanford storylines. We've gotten two now or maybe three. And like the two or three that we've seen have all just been leaning into those gay stereotypes. They're using him as a prop rather than an actual character in a lot of ways. That really is a good point because it does feel like the meeting up with somebody you met on the internet could have been Samantha's storyline. But then they were like, no, a straight woman wouldn't do that. We got to make this Stanford storyline. Yeah, I thought it was a fun storyline and I liked it, but yeah, it's a bit similar to Samantha, right? Where I don't feel like they're actually giving him any depth, except that he's gay. Like that's his only personality trait. He's gay and he kind of feels bad about himself as not being a super attractive gay man. Yeah, exactly. And I think they could just give him better storylines where he's not such a prop, you know? I hope they do. He's really entertaining. I like it when he pops up. But yeah, that's all I had for problematic. I just feel like it's a classic sex in the city issue, right? Where there's no nuance and it's all stereotyping. Yep. That's how they do it. That's their thing. How about what holds up? So to continue on what I was saying about Mr. Big in my apology slash defense of him, I think having to choose your career versus your relationship is something that a lot of people struggle with. He obviously is going to move because this is his career, but he knows that it's going to ruin his relationship. And I do think from his perspective, he was pretty happy with Carrie. So that's probably why he was waiting to tell her. So I think that holds up. And then the frustration that men tend to not think of we when they're making decisions, but more of just like me. 
And I think that there's some truth to that too. I agree. We talk about this a lot, but it's not an inherently male or male presenting trait. Right. It's more of just the way that men are socialized, which is the problem. And then I feel like this kind of applies more to like app dating, but Stanford's meeting up with somebody and then worrying that person's going to diss you because you're not as attractive or not as much as you purported to be online. Wait. How did I forget that from nostalgia? (laughs) Stanford saying that he was scared the guy was going to diss him is total nostalgia. Yeah, it is. I think it was my favorite line of the whole show. (laughs) What if he disses me? What were your holds up? Yeah, I think similar stuff. I think a lot of the things I was saying held up, I kept from the lens of Carrie's perspective, which is I feel like sometimes in relationships, you kind of know that it's run its course and that it's just time for it to end, but nobody wants to like let go of it quite yet. And I also feel like when someone does feel that like, even Carrie says it, like now that I'm thinking about how this might blow up, she wants to like try and save it. And I feel like people do sometimes feel that desperation of trying to keep this relationship that's doomed together, even though, you know, it's not going to work. Taking drastic measures and bending over backwards, even in some sense, when it's just already too late, the other person's already made up their mind. Yeah, that's good. What about the Bechdel test, Kristen? How did this episode stack up? I mean, I think we've only had one true pass. This one, you could kind of say it passed. So we get a couple of lines of dialogue between Carrie and Charlotte when Miranda's talking about Jack and Carrie interrupts to say, oh, what's happening with Miss Charlotte's feet? And then they talk about the shoes and how much the price is. Technically, there's like three or four lines of dialogue before Carrie says, well, how did you get that discount? And then Charlotte has to say, because I let him touch my feet a little bit. So I guess technically it does pass. It's building up to talk about a man, but the initial conversation is just like, oh, those shoes are super cute. I love them. Mm -hmm. Thanks. They're new. Cool. How much did you pay for them? So (laughs) the saddest pass, but it's a technical pass for this episode. How about Hero and Villain of the Week? So for Hero... I chose Stanford because Mm -hmm. I think he overcame his fears of being judged and possibly being dissed. (laughs) And he puts himself out there and maybe the guy he meets isn't the one he was going to meet, but he ends up having a connection with somebody and I'm proud of him. Oh, that's a good one. What about Valen? Valen, I said it was Carrie because even the Mr. Big stuff, I think it's always red flag with having a tantrum in public and throwing the food pretty violently. But then she's not supportive of Miranda. She's fairly supportive of Stanford, but I think he's clearly the type of person that needs to be built up. And I think he could have done more. I agree. She's not a good friend to Stanford. Who did you put? So for Hero, I said Samantha, it's not her fault that the writers always give her bad storylines. I thought about making her too. She deserves some love and attention. And I said that I also think she just has the correct opinions in this episode about not being judgmental of people's fetishes, even though Charlotte is being her usual nightmare of a self. Mm -hmm. And then I also picked Stanford as an honorable mention for the same reasons you did. He put himself out there and did something out of his comfort zone. I think I know where you're going with villain, but I want to hear it. 
Well, Carrie, obviously we've talked about this a bit, but I understand her frustration, but you can't just yell at people and throw burgers at them. You know, (laughs) she just needs anger management. I have not seen anybody but a child behave so poorly when they are angry. And I just think per usual, she's being a bad friend. And then, I mean, you can't say Big's not a villain in this episode. No. You're in a relationship. You can't just not consider the other person when you're making big life decisions. And it's not like he's, you know, young in his early 20s. Like this man is deep in his 40s from my understanding. And the way he talks to Carrie was so condescending. He just talks down to her. He's a bad guy. So anyway, Big is also a villain. Mm -hmm. I would be remiss not to mention that. Assuming that we're not going to see him for a few episodes. Yeah. Are we ready for ratings? We are. So now is the part where we rate the episode we just watched on a scale of one to five based on overall enjoyment. How good was the sex and how good was the city? Megan, do you want to go first? Sure. Sex, I gave a 1.5. I feel like there were some scenes that were like, a little bit sexy, but the score got bumped down just because of the weirdness of the foot stuff and yeah, the escalating nature of Jack's exhibitionism, I guess you call it. <laughs> and then City, I gave it a 2.5. I didn't think there was anything super exceptional. They allegedly go to Mark Twain's house, but I looked it up online and pretty sure that's not actually his house. They probably couldn't actually secure that location to film. But I thought that that was fun. Mark Twain did have a house in Greenwich Village, so that's kind of cool. And there was a Giuliani reference when she Mm -hmm. was talking about the mayor shutting down all the sex stores. That's something Giuliani did in 1998. It was like sex stores and strip clubs, I believe. So that felt topically New York. So I gave it a 2.5 instead of just a 2. Overall, I gave it a 2.5. There were things that I did hate, but there was also stuff that I thought was really funny. And I think I would have potentially rated it higher because I do think even though the big and carry dynamic is toxic, it is in some ways relatable, but I couldn't rate it higher than 2.5 because of the screaming and tantrums. And also the thesis was pretty loosey goosey. What about you, Kristen? How did you rate everything? So I gave this a zero for sex. It just didn't really do it for me. The cab scene and then the gross shoe stuff where he's doing Charlotte's feet. It was mostly just men being gross. And the clincher for me is Will Arnett fully clothed on top of Miranda with the parents standing in the doorway watching. It it could have been actors that he paid to walk in. It could have actually been his parents. Whatever the reason, the idea of other people standing over me. I'm not an exhibitionist at all. I do not want that. I hated it. It negates any pro points that this would have for sex. That's a very fair answer. I think I'm kind of in agreement with you. I gave it two for City. And it's mostly because of the references. They talk about the Giuliani thing. Miranda's talking about all the places that she's had sex in public. And then Charlotte's window shopping at the fancy shoe stores, that sort of thing. Most of the shots were actually interior apartments. We don't see that much. But overall, the writers really probably live in New York and they pulled some good references. And then overall, I gave it a little bit higher than you. I gave it a three. 
Carrie is annoying, but I actually found the fight scenes and the breakup scenes between her and Big pretty entertaining. It is very interesting that this is like one of the top 10 episodes of Sex in the City of all time. I think that's a fair rating. So we have a special edition this episode. We got a listener email and typically we would keep people anonymous, but this is from Kristen's sister and it's very obviously from Kristen's sister. I'm excited for you to read this one. So I will give this a read. The title of this email is Kristen exclamation point. I was just listening to the intro for the episode of the chicken dance in season two. I am the sister of host Kristen. Kristen mentions that Carrie Preston is a guest star. Carrie Preston is the sister of Lee, who is our aunt. She is an actress best known for being on Lost with her husband, Michael Emerson. Sincerely, Kimberly Berry Esquire. Shout out to my sister. Apparently, I did not know this. It's true. My uncle is married to a woman and her adopted sister is the actress who plays Madeline in the chicken dance. She's the interior designer that gets married right away. I'm apparently related to her. So yeah, pretty much royalty right here. <laughs> With your slightly convoluted connection. Sex in the city royalty. To this woman that you've never met. Yep. <laughs> your uncle's wife's adopted sister. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have for you this week. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us for another week of I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate Me. We hope you enjoyed the episode and please join us next week for season two, episode 13, Games People Play. If you have any feedback or things you'd like us to talk about in the episode, please feel free to email or DM us. Our email and Instagram handle are listed in the show notes. And as you've seen today, if you send something, we may even read it on the pod. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not related to me. <laughs> Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends and fellow Sex and City fans. See you next week. Bye. Bye.